This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. A rainy midweek edition of Pot of Gold from the WNDU studios, your home for Countdown to Kickoff. He is Mike Berardino. I am Tom Noy. That is producer Jerry in the semi-formal edition of Pot of Gold for some reason. Berardino decided he's wearing a tie today. Yeah. I've got a sport coat on, and Jerry, he decides, you know what? I'm going formal. I'm going with my James Madison golf shirt. Yeah, you know, the other Dukes, not the ones that <laughs> Notre Dame's playing this week. Um, you know, this is my protest to the NCAA because they can't compete in the Sun Belt title this year due to their recent transition, even though they're really good. But we're not here about to talk about James Madison. No. Just, and, I, let me get out the way before we start doing that. And we'll talk about Duke in a little bit. Duke, the number four, or number 17 in the AP poll, 4 0 overall. Heading into Saturday night's game against a number 11 Notre Dame, the Irish now 4-1 and one after, hey, you know what? They lost to Ohio State. Did you hear they lost to Ohio State? I heard did, some rumblings. Did you hear that, that Lou Holtz had something to do with it or something or other? Can we please make all this Lou Holtz stuff stop? I'm, like, I'm looking at Twitter he's right now. He's loving it. He's We're, loving it. I'm looking at Twitter right now, and now Reese Davis decides that he's going to weigh in on the Ryan Day-Lou Holtz feud. Just, just please, Lou Holtz said what he said. If that was motivation for Ohio State, if that's what Ohio State needed to get a 17-14 win and to get that last touchdown with one second left, God bless the Buckeyes. But please, let's stop with Lou, what Lou Holtz did or what it's, Lou Holtz said. It's not going away. And you oh know why it's God. not going away? Because we won't let it go not away. Not just that. ESPN and, oh. uh, and Pat McAfee show is in Durham this week, and the Lou Holtz impersonator, do <laughs> you know that fella's name? He does yeah. a nice job. Uh, that fella, would, with his with his prosthetics uh, and his lisp, <laughs> is going to be right back out there. Even if Lou's not there, there'll be a confusion. There'll be Lou confusion because they're going to throw the – I mean, it's Saturday Night Live level stuff now. And it can you can't you can't outrun it. Um, we can't. It, it can't uh, and and uh, Lou Holtz at for him the way he answered uh, the other yesterday I guess uh, on the Dan Dockett show he he's uh, he's not backing down. You know he's having fun at 80, age eighty six. God bless him. But it's not helpful. It wasn't helpful apparently yeah. the way Ryan Day Ryan Day went went. Uh, Wacky. Well, he that went was, a little. Well, that's what happened. I mean, you talk to a high, even a high school coach. You talk to any football coach in the seconds or the minutes after a game, and they're still so wired yeah. that they do say some wacky stuff. And Ryan Day said some wacky stuff. He got caught up in the moment of the, his team not being tough. It's hard to question a guy who's 48 or 49 and 6 in his career to say they don't do this or they don't do that. Ohio State's a really good football program. Notre Dame saw that. They'll see another one on Saturday. We'll talk a little Duke eventually, but to put a bow for lack of a better term, uh, on, on the Ohio on the Ohio State Notre Dame game. Look, there were a lot of directions that Notre Dame could have gone this week, given the direction Saturday night's game went, in losing, in having only ten players on the field, in giving up the third and nineteen, in not converting the fourth and ones, and not maybe running Audric estimate more than they should in that final drive that Notre Dame had on offense when they could have run the clock out. There are a lot of directions Notre Dame could have gone this week in explaining that. I mentioned on Countdown to Kickoff with Chuck Freeby, he could Marcus Freeman could have gone the Bill Belichick route and refused to answer any question or any speculation or analysis about what happened or why it happened with the 10 players on the field. But everybody that we've talked to, everybody that has been rolled out by the Notre Dame PR department, whether it's Marcus Freeman on Monday, 
the coordinators, Al Golden and Jared Parker on Tuesday. DJ Brown, who could have put himself in Sean Wooden lore type lore of, of Notre Dame football history if he had made that interception. DJ Brown says, you know what? I'm going to step up and I'm going to come upstairs at the Irish Athletic Center and do media and sit and talk for 10, 12, 15 minutes, whatever it was on Tuesday night, and answer the questions. There was no reason for DJ Brown to be anywhere near the media on Tuesday, but he decides he's talking, Jack Kaiser's talking, Zeke Carell's talking, so everybody that had been rolled out by Notre Dame, they've said, look, we take responsibility for this game, we should have been better, but we move on. And eventually, hopefully the media will too. We'll move on. Yeah, we will. You know, whatever the best story is uh, in the moment, that's what we're going to pursue. Um, but is the and, best and story Lou Holtz? The best. Well, uh, uh, I'm talking about how we'll go about it. Um, there's others. There's uh, everyone has their agenda out there. We don't have an agenda, but except for the truth. But <laughs> that's uh, all we, know, want. we want to satisfy can, our curiosity. You can't handle the truth, that's Mike right. Bird. Oh, I, I can handle it. Okay. Well, here, let me ask you guys a question. <laughs> What's been the worst storyline this week? Lou Holtz, Ryan Day, or Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey? Nah, I, I don't get caught up in the NFL. I, I don't watch the NFL. I don't follow the NFL. So I, it, that's kind of like... I feel like my timeline is just those two things. Yeah. Just that's, in <laughs> different succession. That's just, that's just kind of there. Get used to it. But um, I'm yeah. going Ryan Day, Lou Holtz. Like, just let's just stop analyzing what an 86-year-old guy, who, by the way, won a national championship as a head coach at Notre Dame, Let's stop worrying about what it, what he says about who Notre Dame played and, and and all that stuff. That's just nonsense. Like Lou Holtz, you've had your fifteen minutes here. On just just go back to Orlando and and be the former Notre Dame coach. Well, please. I would just like to say that the shock value of it wasn't just that uh, a former coach, a national championship coach, called out specifically. You know, challenge that you knew. You knew. I got the sense on uh, game day, <laughs> yeah. watching game day, that there was a that this could backfire. Something was not, coming when Kirk Herbstreet gave his prediction, and he said there. He he said MF and lunch pail yeah. on there. He said that's what he said. He does, I don't think he does that normally. To, but you know, the former Ohio State player, mm-hmm. kid on the team, um, you know, as a reserve, and he said, oh, you know, it, they noticed and. Uh, and so they they were challenged and they rose. But the other thing, Lou Holtz is the, the all time, one of the all time famous poor mouthers, right? He says, you know, <laughs> we, oh, we have no chance going into this game. They're so good. He 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 puffs. He would always do that, puff up the opposition, and give them a false sense of of their greatness. But in the privately, he says those things. I think he just missed being able to say those things. Mm-hmm. The famous thing, save Jimmy Johnson for me, <laughs> right? This was one of those, like, save Ryan Day for me. Well, um, it's, um, uh, I think Lou Holtz now realizes he's no longer in coaching. True. But it was fun stuff and unfortunate for Notre Dame that that would be some subplot. But it's not like, I really don't think it, here's where where that storyline is is hollow, is it, Notre Dame was the more physical team for much of the night. They were. And, and Ohio State was a finesse team that left you shaking your head because on fourth and one, well, they had third and one from the plus 11 with, uh, you know, with four minutes to go, and Notre Dame stopped Henderson on a, on a plunge, no gain. Fourth and one, they were in a little jet sweep mm-hmm. with, with a, a buka. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't think that's Woody Hayes stuff, Ryan Day. <laughs> Woody you know? Hayes is saying, what are you doing? Right. Run the damn ball. Woody Hayes is, is, is grabbing him by the face mask. So um, Ryan Day should have just, uh, you know, uh, who am I to say? He's 17-1 on the road. He's, right. uh, as in true road games, he's an excellent coach. Um, and he's and he's got his, his SID right there telling him, take a deep breath. Uh, Jerry Emick is as good as it gets. And, and, and that happened. But, yes, um, uh, no shortage of storylines. In listening to the players and speaking with the players that we spoke to on Tuesday and the coordinators, Mike, how does Notre Dame now move past Ohio State? Because as devastating, which is the word Jack Kaiser used on Tuesday, as devastating and as disappointing as, as Saturday was, there's still a lot for this Notre Dame team to play for and a big challenge coming on Saturday against Duke. How do they move forward? Do, do you think, and what is it about this team that, that leads you to believe they'll be okay? It's all right. Um, yeah, the, the accountability and public, you know, responsibility and of course, uh, not wallowing publicly. And so, yeah, you, you, you owe the, the failure, uh, a certain amount of explanation, and then you have to turn that page. And I think they've done it. The other thing is all you have to do to remind them how to avoid post Ohio state hangover is to say Marshall. And I think they've, <laughs> they've reminded themselves of that, um, plenty of times. I mean, that, that Marshall loss. Uh, was partially due to still being in the moment of the Ohio State night. And of course, they had travel issues coming back. Uh, There's, you know, the, the hours upon hours of waiting on the on the runway and all that. Um, so, but that didn't happen. Is there a home game this time? The turnaround for Duke to get ready to go down to Duke uh, a little simpler logistically, but um, the emotional aspect of it and making sure that you don't let Marshall happening. Of course, Duke way better on paper than what Marshall was coming in here last year. Um, and you've got a veteran team. You've got a veteran quarterback who knows who's who's had Duke's number. That's you know the opposite of NC State for him. He's uh, Sam Hartman's always had very good success against Duke. So um, different regimes when he faced them. Generally, did face the Elko's team last year. Uh, I think they'll be fine. Marcus Freeman, like, as we talked about on Monday, had took all of the blame for the 10 players on the field. Was there anything Marcus Freeman didn't say that you wanted him to say regarding that situation or it's done. Let's move past it. He's accepted it. He's owned it enough with it. Well, it's, you know, you don't want him to uh, necessarily identify someone who's well down the hierarchy, who, whose job it is because it's the, but not enough, I guess, ownership of the fact that it did happen against Tennessee State, too. Mm-hmm. So what's unsaid is, in that response, was, um, uh, oh, that's great. You now have a special signal. You're going to work on special situations on Friday. Remind them the jump off sides and grab somebody signal. Why didn't you have that after you went through this? In a, you had your dry run of disaster against Tennessee State. That which was, I mean, that's what you want to do. Grow from after a win, right? You want to you want to address problems after a win. Fifty six to three win, but it could have been a tie game early because ten men on the field down with your back to the goal line. There was confusion in that package, that sub package, and and here you go. It um, there it, it happened again. That should have been addressed already. I realize that they had timeouts. Mm-hmm. It was the first quarter back in the Tennessee State game, but at least you had some sense that. This is a. I use the term when I asked that question on September fourth. What's the quality control aspect of that? How does that happen? How does it get addressed? And you know, we talked about we talked about the missed assignments by coaches and players. I don't think it was addressed properly. 
coming off of Tennessee State. That's all. You, it, it, that would be something that uh, that slipped through the cracks, and that's part of ownership. Um, and I'm still uh, confused on why uh, the head coach would ever take off the headset with time on the clock. That only seems to happen once you go into victory formation, and that was uh, that last moment was anything but victory formation. Now again, it's, I'm just going by what was shown on on the television screen. I don't have the uh, fuller version. I don't have the all 24. <laughs> but um, uh, if we're talking about a breakdown in communication, and you're telling us that uh, you ran out of time, it was too late to address the problem. Um, even though they, the refs would have stopped the, the game and would have kept Ohio State from snapping the ball by rule because they had subbed in Trainum for Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a head coach, perhaps somebody who's frantically trying to get to him, and for whatever reason, maybe that was part of uh, of his idea of, of fighting the drift. Maybe he just said, I'm just going to enjoy this last defense. I don't know. I don't know why that happened. It wasn't like... Uh, it's a stunning thing because he, by the way, takes off the headset, as I've noted, Zapruder like uh, on Twitter, <laughs> and and you see right then, uh, Trainum's looking at the sideline like, uh, and, okay, and then Trainum's or, or Henderson subs out, Trainum subs in, so there's there's a there's a good chunk of of time there after the headset comes off where now you have a chance to do something, and I don't know if the headset went back on, so I'm I apologize that I don't have the all twenty four. And if anybody out there was uh, just strangely filming the sideline, uh, strangely filming Marcus Freeman, yeah, um, you know, then we could fill in that blank. But um, at some point, you do have to let it go. You do have to move on, uh, even as the media. Here was my concern when I saw that when that you mentioned Marcus Freeman taking the headset off was that was that was after the first goal line play, yeah, and before the final play, yeah. My concern, and Marcus Freeman will never say, yeah, you know what, that's the reason why. He likes to say how everybody has input. All the assistants have their ability to say something. What if there was just way too much chatter about, we got to do this and we got to do that, and how about this? Now, don't remember, don't forget, we want to do this. And Marcus Freeman just took the headset off and said, I, I can't listen to all that right now. Uh, I, let me let me just we've got our guys on the field. Let's see what happens at, with this final play because maybe who knows? Maybe there was just too much chatter going on in the headset for him to kind of really stay focused and, and like you said, not drift because Al Washington Washington saying something, Al Golden saying something. Maybe there's a defensive analyst that's on a headset. Maybe there were just too many cooks in the kitchen there. Oh, you, you, you make a fine point. I thought about that. I, my, my mind goes back to something Jared Parker said um, early in the season. He said, oh, on the headset, on the offensive channel, it's mm-hmm. like a dugout in there. It's like a <laughs> yeah. baseball dugout. Just you, know, you can imagine, there's 25 guys and about six coaches in a baseball dugout and a manager, and you have to synthesize all that and make a decision. The problem is about, and this is how the headset roughly was taken off, is my imitation of it. You know, there's this, there's this, where it's like, oh, I just got to hear a little crowd noise. Yep. And then there's... <laughs> and that was the what that it was. was the one. It was like it was like. Uh, I'm tired. I'm just tired of listening turned, to this. I don't want to hear it anymore. Back to the field momentarily as well, which was, and this is at that very moment. Ohio State sideline is locked in and mm-hmm. is making the substitution from a really good back to a uh, their power back, their goal line back, a 233 pound guy, and then again 
It's not, it, was, it was not too late if you continued to pay attention. It was never too late until you basically had to wave off the referee. Now, that was a weird – that was Big Ten officiating crew. I'm not yep. saying they were in the bag, but they had a weird day <laughs> in review. People still aren't satisfied that Sam Hartman was short of, on fourth and one over on the sideline that got over initially – was there sufficient video evidence to overturn the call in the field, which initially was first down? Huge play on the first offensive series. I, we haven't seen that, even though he had the ball in the back arm. We haven't seen, uh, they, at least not on you know for public consumption, that angle that was good enough to overturn it. In the end, I still haven't seen the visual of, did the referee hold Ohio State up and, and get confirmation from the sideline that Notre Dame... Um, well, guys, the pl- clock was stopped, so they didn't have to do that, I guess. But they're what they would have been within their rights to send the guy in there before the snap, and and how that happens down in the goal line on the far hash, as we keep hearing, that adds to the trickiness of it. But no, I, obviously, I'm not, um, I'm not fully satisfied. Uh, you know, my my uh, confusion, my curiosity, of how that could possibly happen, because. Um, you know, the, the, out, the outside the box conversation, the what if, that's what all those off-season 10 a.m., 7 a.m. meetings, whatever they have where they all would get together and it's been written about, it happened in 2022, you know, the, just, just talking it through, just chewing mm-hmm. over the game. What if this happens? What if that happens? You have a former head coach for 10 years and Al Golden right there. That's your defensive coordinator. You've got guys who've been in this business a long time. Joe Rudolph's been everywhere. Um. And you just have to, you know, it's a crazy situation. But it, in, ret- it, it, in hindsight, it could have been warded off. It had to have been warded off sometime at, after Tennessee, the latest. And really, in the spring of 2022, um, when they're just getting to know each other over coffee, you know, I got a crazy one for you. What do you think about this? <laughs> what, happen- what happens if we're in a goal line situation <laughs> late in the game and we only have 10 men on the field? Well, we got no timeouts. We've got no timeouts. I we're saw at home. Something. I saw something one time. I mean, this is how you get Steve Spurrier long ago coming up with Emory, you know, stealing the Emory and Henry play on, a, on the extra point. The, um, this, they, they're constantly looking for ideas from, from Division Three on. They had a Division Three assistant former player in Brian Mason here last year, and there was a guy, you talk about, they blocked seven punts. You're telling me Brian Mason, uh, Mace, never came Mace. up with some wacky scenario <laughs> like that at some point and say, I got one for you, and I don't, you know, don't yell at me, don't yell at me, but what if, you know, and so that was what the brainstorming could have, and it's just amazing that it never got to that point where, like, you know, we might just have to have, because think about it in, in, in basketball, your basketball guru, guru, there's plenty of, there's, you know, so much about it is stop, you know, fouling on purpose, doing mm-hmm. things that aren't, that you would never do except in a desperate situation. It's all about uh, desperate times or desperate measures. You gotta, you gotta be prepared for the doomsday scenario. It's, this is all hindsight. I know it sounds like just classic media, but because uh, it's not like um, as they're driving down the field, they use the last time out. It's not like I nudge you and say, you know, I, I hope they have one of those those signs where you, you know how to stop the play with an. No, I didn't. I hope nobody. I, I, I hope somebody doesn't have to jump off sides because Notre Dame <laughs> has only 10 players on the field. So. But uh, and, and one more thing on, on Ryan Day, Mr. Uh, physicality, um, Mr. Uh, take Tough that guy. Lou Holtz. Yeah, take that, Lou Holtz. They ran a pass play they against did. the 10-man look <laughs> on the first. And nobody noticed that on their sideline either on second down. They spiked it on first down. Mm-hmm. They did not before that timeout. Notre Dame had a full 11, and, they, they, and I've got that up on Twitter as well. 
Um, that little video clip that you see Kaiser and Rubio among the group that runs off after the spike uh, and then the timeout by Notre Dame to discuss. And, uh, and then you only see Thomas Harper come back into the mix. And generally when Harper comes in, Kaiser comes out. And so Rubio had been part of the previous mix. Mm -hmm. it's, it's based on snap counts throughout the game and Marcus Freeman saying defensive linemen were trying to put one in and where the defensive linemen needed to be. And they did have two interior guys in Cross and Mills. And they also had JJB. What they were missing was a right defensive end for the defense, and that could have been Batello. And that's usually Jordan Batello's position. So Yeah, but we don't I mean again we don't know. It's everybody's mistake it because is. you can't possibly how can you even if you say Jordan, you're in. That is that enough? Is that enough to make I mean to to make sure that somebody on quality control upstairs, downstairs, and of course the player himself, Jordan at least has to be like, Did you say I'm in? I mean I haven't been in this but he was in just a couple of plays earlier. Crazy situation. Um and um yeah, at some point uh, you just gotta you just gotta move on. But but it's it's I still don't feel like we've solved it, do we? It will be the un one unsolvable mystery of the 2023 season. That what happened? What happened? They're, they'll never they'll never tell. They'll never say it on the record, and they'll never they'll never admit we should have done this or we wanted to do this or this is how it happened. We can ask, and we've asked. But Marcus Freeman has just said, it's on me, it's on the head coach. He's been stoic, he's been stand-up about it. He reacted, it's funny, before we close out this first segment and, and start talking about Duke, he reacted more to learning that Notre Dame's got another night game coming next week <laughs> at Louisville than he reacted publicly, at least in front of us, to having 10 men on the field against Ohio State. So, yes, Notre Dame at Louisville a week from Saturday starts again, 7.30. So that will be four straight night games. Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC. Four straight night games for, for, uh, for Notre Dame football. If anybody wants to know what a night game is for the Notre Dame football team, for the head coaches, for the media, just go on, on Twitter and find Marcus, react, Marcus Freeman's reaction to a night game. Like everybody says, oh, the media, you're just whining and moaning and complaining about having to cover a night game. Night games are not fun when you have to turn it around, especially night games on the, on the road. road. When you have to turn it around, like it's not like Notre Dame football can, can they'll play a night game against Duke. They'll probably get back. Mike Marcus Freeman said, what, 2 a.m.? 2, 3 a.m. They get home at 3 a.m. on Sunday. Your Sunday's shot. And then you've got to go back and turn around and go back out on the road on Friday to get to Louisville and play another night game. Then you're getting home. It's a little shorter flight from Louisville. Then you're getting home at probably 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And, oh, by the way, here comes USC again at night. So night games, fans may like them, love them because it gives them more time to tailgate and get ready and get juiced up for the games. But everybody else outside the fan base, give me a noon start anytime, please. Enough of these night games. Amen. So, night game, Duke, 7.30, ABC, game day will be there, we will be there, Notre Dame will be there, we'll talk a little bit more about Duke and what has made them a dangerous team at 4-0, 17 in the AP poll, under head coach Mike Elko, right after this break. Second half a pot of gold here on a Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, 
at the WNDU Studios, your home for Countdown to Kickoff. Watch Countdown to Kickoff this weekend, heading into Duke, Notre Dame, and the Blue Devils from Wallace Wade Stadium. Not Cameron Indoor Stadium, Mike Berardino. And I do remember you were with me yes. the last time we were at Wallace Wade Stadium on a Saturday night, ironically, when we tried to get into Cameron Indoor Stadium, and they said, no, go away. Go away. You can't come in here. I um I even tried to play the, <laughs> this guy knows Mike Bray card. <laughs> yeah, and thanks it, for that. It, 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 we couldn't get in. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, what were they doing over there? They just the- don't let anybody in. I think with the crush of people, like, like Cameron Indoor Stadium for for fans who have never been there and, and been to Duke, you cannot tell that that's a basketball arena. It looks like a, a a science building or a humanities building or whatever. It's a very small building, and during the week, usually if the obviously if the teams aren't practicing in there, the doors are open and you can walk from one end of the court to the other. I was there my first visit to Cameron, I think in two thousand fifteen. I went down there on a Friday afternoon before uh, the game on Saturday, and the building was open, and there were just fans just kind of walking in and taking pictures at, at, at center court. So I thought we could do that when we were down there for that night game, but they got that thing all locked up. Like, they don't want anybody. So I think the, the, just the, from a traffic standpoint, I think it's, it's more difficult to go see Cameron on a, on a Duke football weekend than it is on just a regular Friday afternoon in February. So, but trust me, if you can get there, Go there for a basketball game. I'm glad, given the state of the Notre Dame basketball program right now, I'm glad we're not going to Duke just now, although the Notre Dame schedule has been released. Notre Dame will play at Duke on a Tuesday or Tuesday or Wednesday night in February. All this, all the, the schedule, the schedule, the breakdown, the analysis. Uh, I've, I have a column about what the, what the schedule means. You can see all of that at ND Insider. But Notre Dame will play at Duke. At nine o'clock, uh, sometime in February, not a great start again. Sitting around all day, uh, Duke is one of six repeat opponents for Notre Dame this basketball season. So all the basketball news. I'm tempted to just turn this into a basketball segment. I won't. We'll talk football. We'll talk Duke. The Blue Devils four and zero. They beat Clemson twenty eight to seven. The next three opponents, eh, I'm not really sure. They you can glean anything from that. They beat Lafayette. They beat Northwestern, and then coming off of their their only road victory so far, they beat UConn, 41 to seven. So the Blue Devils are four and zero under Mike Elko. Do you have any prior prior relationship with Mike Elko? Were you on the beat when he was here? No, you were I, not on the beat. I missed him. I got here for the Stanford game in 2018. So Clark Lee was already. The DC, um, and uh, no, I don't know much about Mike Elko other than uh, you know he he got a sweetheart deal to go down and work with. His timing seems to be excellent. Yes, he's got perfect timing because he goes to Jimbo World uh, and gets uh, paid. Um, well, he first he comes here. First he comes from with Wake Brian Forest Kelly. And, yeah, he's former Dave Clawson guy, mm-hmm. Bowling Green, multiple Fordham. He's been he was a Dave Clawson, Wake Forest coach, the guy that. Uh, you know, was Sam Hartman's head coach for five years, um, and is excellent. But um, yeah, so there's that's interesting. And uh, but uh, yeah, and the timing uh, in terms of career moves, he should probably have a, con- a consulting uh, firm just on how people should know when when to, to get out, when's it getting good. And now already his name's been linked to Michigan State. That's a that for now, you know, that and that's a that's don't a, go there, don't go Michigan State. Uh, it, well, I mean, I think even the second Mel Tucker uh, scenario got out there, that, that controversy, people started mentioning Elko because no one believes that 
that any Duke coach will stay there who's that good is going to stay there for very long. We'll see. Um, uh, that doesn't mean that he's automatically the guy, but that's the kind of distraction that can certainly hurt on the recruiting trail and, and how much it hurts on a football Saturday in real time, I don't know. But uh, that's, it, that's, uh, that's the answer on Mike Elko. He seems um, a Jersey guy and uh, seems like a no-nonsense guy. And uh, uh, he said a weird thing, though, about Hartman. I was surprised nobody didn't. Uh, you'd have to be living in a cardboard. Even if you lived in a cardboard box, you would know that um, – Sam Hartman is, uh, you know, really good quarterback or something like that. And I, well, there's a lot of people who live in cardboard boxes. I don't think that's very funny. And Sam Hartman's a pretty good quarterback, but we have gone how many minutes? 24 minutes. We haven't even mentioned Sam Hartman. That's what happens when Notre Dame football loses. The quarterback just kind of just of another quarterback right now. So Sam Hartman, I expect him to have a big night Saturday. He did not have a big night against Ohio State, but... You mentioned Mike Elko. Here's one of the reasons why Duke is 4-0. They currently have the second-ranked red zone defense in the country. They're fourth in passing yards allowed, fourth in pass efficiency defense, fourth in scoring defense, tied for ninth in turnover margin, and tie, and uh, 16th overall for total defense, of, uh, defense at 276.2 yards per game. Riley Leonard's a really good quarterback, but that's a really good defense that... Sam Hartman and Jared Parker and the Irish offense are going to have to decipher on Saturday night. Yes, and that's why um, another number to throw at you is that in, in terms of pro football focus, coverage efficiency, uh, pass coverage efficiency, number one in the country, Duke. And, um, you know, they, they played a soft schedule, Clemson aside. Now two lost Clemson aside. Yeah. Is, <clears throat> is Clemson a hard game? I don't know. If, I don't know well, what, I mean, they're, 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 in, they're in flux. Um but uh, after losing at home to an excellent, seemingly excellent Florida State team in overtime. But um, two things jump out, and I won't uh, get too granular but on this, but uh, the, the weak points of Duke, if you know, you've laid out the strength of that secondary, and they've, mm -hmm. they've played the portal really well, and Al Blades Jr. is a guy who can, who can disrupt things, former Miami, is the Blades family the Blades is royalty family. down in Miami. Yes. And they got one, you know, now a grad transfer comes in. And um, he's good, but I don't know that Sam Hartman has a huge game. I think Sam Hartman has a has an opportunistic game, but I think you're going to get a heavy dose. If you if you thought you didn't get enough estimate this past game, and I'm among those who say, yeah, where was estimate, especially in short yardage? True. Um, and what are you running the wild? You know, it worked, and and they knocked off Payne's helmet on this on the <laughs> Wildcat. But what do you, that's that's a finesse kind of thing, I'd, I'd say. Uh, Trickeration, uh, the Wildcat, Notre Dame hadn't done that before. No uh, Mitch Palooza there as he comes off concussion. He's back, seven catches. The, the two things to look at for Duke as weak points, run blocking efficiency tied for 84th. So even though the, the raw run numbers are such that against a front like Notre Dame's, I think they'll, they'll struggle to run the ball. Uh, Riley Leonard may very likely be their leading rusher again in this one on scrambles. Which and is some, what he does. And he, some designed runs. He's, oh, he's, he's dangerous. And then run defense efficiency, 111th out of the 133. So I think Notre Dame just runs it down their throat. Just pound the ball. Yep, up two touchdowns in the first quarter and, and just, and just, just, just you know, silences the crowd with college game day in town. And, um, you know, uh, I, I, that's, that's why I went uh, the way I did on that. It just feels ah. like that's the, you, that's the weak You're point. You're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. 
on predictions. Right. Scale it back. Well, we, we talked about how Notre Dame should run the ball. They should definitely run the ball now because word came earlier this week on Monday with Marcus Freeman. Notre Dame will be without Deion Coles. He really hasn't done anything since the Navy game. When he was a factor in the Navy game plan, hasn't done anything since. He will be out for a couple of weeks probably with a knee scope. And then he also Marcus Freeman also mentioned that Jaden Thomas, who was supposed to be, we thought he was going to be the number one guy. Jaden Thomas is kind of iffy with a hamstring. When they say they're iffy with a hamstring, that means he's a, probably a no-go with a hamstring. So they may be down two wide receivers, a third with Matt Salerno, who's been out for the season uh, until since uh, up until now with a lower left leg injury. He hobbled off in, on crutches with a cast on his lower left leg. So that may be a season situation. We saw him leave the field on Saturday uh, after the Ohio State game. So wide receivers might be a little iffy if the fact that you have to count on guys like Jaden Greathouse and, and Rico Flores, two two freshmen in only what their second true road game of the season. So yeah, th- this could be a situation if you don't get hold, holding stays, maybe more involved from a passing situation. This might be a situation where you have to use the five headed monster. Run Otter Castame, run Jabron Payne, give him maybe a little bit more of Devin Ford, and then uh, Jeremiah Love and your guy, Jadarian Price. Jadarian. Jadar, I do the same uh, thing. I, all right, I, I'm going to just JD. say, I'll say JD Price. JD, Jadari, JD Price. Jadarian Price, but this is this feels like a big game for for one. Obviously, Audric Estime is going to do what Audric Estime is going to do because he's the leading rusher in the country. But Jadarian Price or Jeremiah Love, if the Duke defense is that vulnerable and Notre Dame has that offensive line, yeah. run the ball. It's going to be like the... Um, Little like maybe the Carolina game last year, where uh, you know I think two guys might have gone over 100 yards on that one. It feels like in this one, uh, they, they're about 150 for Estime and then a, a buck in a change for uh, either Love or Price. I think uh, I was I feel like I mean Love did get 16 snaps. He did. Uh, Estime 25. Payne 14, Ford 12, Price 10. That wasn't enough for Price, and they came. I mean, it was weird uh, how he had no touches in the first half. But, um, and yet, what you talk, we'll just go back to Sam Harmon for a second. You talk about the the plays that uh, got away. I don't, a guy who's very fortunate um, that it went the way it did is uh, JT (laughs) Tuimalo. Uh, I'll, tr- I'll trust your pronunciation. On J- that. Big JT number forty four. Forty four. Tui Tui Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm so good at that usually, but I, I we did, don't have to say it. We only have to JT. write it. He That's dropped. Where we get he dropped trouble. a pick six, Tom. He, he dropped did. a pick six with two and a half minutes to go on a little pass in the flat, a little attempted screen pass to Jadarian Price. JD. JD. <laughs> JD. Not really part of your plan in the first half. And now in that four-minute drive, I'm still talking about Ohio State, you're looking for J.D. in that moment. And uh, he, I don't know if, if he was in the right spot or not, if that was any issue of it. Uh, Jared uh, Parker said originally they wanted to run that to the left side, which was interesting. And then it ended up going because uh, you want to run it away from number 44. But they ran it his way, and it could have been a total game wrecker. But he dropped that one. And... Um, and and so it went the way it did, but uh, it feels like yeah. Back to the lean, lean on your strengths, attack their weaknesses. Not that the pass game isn't a strength generally for Notre Dame, but uh, they for the first time they struggled to get uh, vertical threats uh, open. Um, 
there was a sagging look. It was a maybe some cloud stuff. There was some um, certainly the playing off eight yards uh, cushion on the on the edges and excellent secondary for Ohio State. Duke has an excellent group too. I would imagine they would copy some of that stuff. And if uh, Merriweather and Flores uh, and Tyree can't um, beat the defense on the edges, then then you just you just run it down their throat. Chris Tyree, one target, one catch, 25 yards against Ohio State. I think he's the guy you need to get more involved. I'm tired. I'm tired of people waiting on Tobias Merriweather. I'm just tired of it. Everybody, every week, everybody says, "What about Tobias Merriweather? Maybe this is his game. Maybe the maybe maybe he's just not there yet as a sophomore." So lean on Chris Tyree. Lean on Mitchell Evans. Lean on Holden Stays. And if you don't get anything from Tobias Merriweather, who had one target, one catch for six yards against Ohio State. That's what happens. Yeah, he was out there for 47 snaps. Um, Flores, 37. Rico Flores, you know, coming in after a loss, too. I mean, that's that tells you something. It's one thing to bring in the freshman, whatever, after a win. And, of course, he was mostly still talking about his, his thinking. He was, he was in a pretty good mood uh, having caught a touchdown. <laughs> the guy, by the way, covering him fell down. I mean, that's they were on the – on the goal line situation uh, from the two, and and for whatever reason, the guy just slipped and fell down, and, and he got to he did what he should, go run to the open area and catch the ball. But um, so he had a chance to come in after a spot where the only other people speaking were extremely experienced. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not exactly ready to say Tobias Merriweather can't uh, now flourish. Um, every week uh, you see a little bit, well, generally it's been a progression, but um, there have been flashes. We've been limited to flashes so far. Uh, the speed is there. The physicality is there. He can block a little bit downfield now. Um, but he's got to win more often and be an obviously open threat. I mean, the, the, the catch radius and the frame, anytime the ball is snapped, your eyes are going to go to the 6'4 guy who's 200 pounds now uh, with track speed. But you're right. I mean, when the ball uh, kind of the targets tell you who's getting open and Sam Hartman knows where to look. Uh, yeah, he's got to get more of a comfort level. It seems like he's got that comfort level with Great House, has had it all along since the spring game. Not as much of a comfort level maybe with Jaden Thomas as uh, Which Drew, is a Pine, surprise. Drew Pine had. Yeah, uh, he yeah. was. Jaden Thomas is very solid. But, again, I don't think we'll see much of him this week, if at all. Um and I, and I mentioned on Chuck, on the Chuck show, that uh, <laughs> Jordan Faison, you know, they, he's the, the little lacrosse guy who uh, is he's on the not scout little. team. And, uh, but he's fast. He's fast. And uh, maybe this is, I mean, just a number situation. He, you know, he gets brought up from the scout team and uh, as out of necessity and gets a chance to maybe even get his first catch. So if Mike Berardino was doing the four guys to watch from the South Bend Tribune, mm. he might throw number 80 in there, Jordan Faison. Did you right? do that? I did. Do, I did not put Jordan <laughs> Faison. I, I went a little different direction this oh, week. What would you do? I went, usually you pick, you pick one offensive guy and one defensive guy to keep your eye on. These are players to watch, players to keep your eye on during the game. Offensively, I went with Audric Estime for reasons we just talked about, mm -hmm. that this could be a very big run-heavy game. And instead of picking a defensive player, Schrader, the f instead of picking a Notre Dame defensive player, I went with, keep your eye on, Riley Leonard, Notre Dame player. I went with Marcus Freeman. How about that? Keep your eye on Marcus Freeman because, again, 
A lot of people questioning his decision-making at the end of the Ohio State game. This is a prove-it game for Notre Dame, but I think this is a prove-it game for Marcus Freeman to not let what happened last year after the Ohio State game when they lose to Marshall. Don't, they don't let that fester into the Duke game. So my two Notre Dame guys to keep your eye on, Audra Gestime, Marcus Freeman. My two Duke guys to keep your eye on, obviously Riley Leonard and Jalen Stinson, who's a safety, one of the leading tacklers for the Blue Devils. I said in, in the write-up of Jalen Stinson, don't let his size fool you. He's listed at, what, 5'8", five, five, 177, but he's one of the, the, the main tacklers on that defense, so keep your eye on Jalen Stinson. He is number three, or no, he's number two. He's a jersey number two, senior safety, 24 tackles to date. So those are my two Duke guys and my two Notre Dame guys. So I kind of changed it up a little bit this week. Change it up. You got to change it up. I still invite everyone to click on it and get a full read on what Tom, why he picked those, because that what you just heard there is just a snippet of the, of the knowledge you can gain. Just a snippet. Because he, uh, trust me, he put, he put way more time into that than he just spent on uh, explaining it. But, um, no, that's a good list, and uh, you're right. And, and this gives me an opportunity to say one of the things you'll be looking for during a game, if you're watching the sideline and you're sitting at home, watch for this. Like, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. If that, if that right, happens at ours. any point. Or, or I'll just do this. How about this? I'll just take the one ear off there. That's one thing. That's like, sir. Sir, you know, then that that's happened. That's like a Bobby, but Bobby Bowden toward the end, he never had the headset on. He was just watching the game. He, yep. was, he was like, where can I get some, wait, hold on. where can I get some good chocolate? But uh, I can really use some candy. Dad Gummit, uh, Dad Gummit, I'd like a good chocolate bar right about now. Like, Jimbo, are we going to score again? Oh, yeah, that's that's kind of how it went there. And uh, <laughs> where's Mickey? Is Mickey still on my staff? Mickey and, Andrews, right? <laughs> I love Mickey. Oh, oh hi, Chuck. But um, it's uh, but no, the way Mark Freeman rolls is he's locked in on every snap and he's got the headset and you just hope that the what's going on within the headset is more uh, useful information. Let's don't talk over each other. You know, even if there's just the three of us here and we don't even have to hear. Imagine if all let's let's do a simulation on bad. I guess they're doing it right now. Keep talking. Channel. Come on, keep doing it. Keep what talking. do you what think about? It's a big play, coach. What are we going to do here, coach? Watch out for Duke. 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 Watch out for Patrick right here. Oh yeah. By I'm, the not way, sure right I'm not sure we have eleven. I'm not sure we have eleven. I'm not sure we have eleven. Coach, coach, put the headset on. Put the headset on. I know we only got ten men. Only got ten men. We only got ten men. I don't know how we. I don't know how we come back from that. Did we just role play in, uh, Did we? in front of the Pot of Gold podcast role play edition? I uh, told you. <laughs> Mike Berardino is hot one, two, right three, now. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Why we do some score predictions? <laughs> how, how do we move on to score predictions after that? Like that. <laughs> That's that will make you do this. It will. No, throw those. You gotta throw. Don't throw them. They're not our headsets. It's we just don't. you gotta you gotta you throw from your paper. You gotta have empathy uh, and some sympathy, whatever, uh, because uh, it's got it had to be loud in there, and just that right there, you know, that was uncomfortable. That was, was just three. Imagine now multiply oh. that and, and put put them in front of seventy seven thousand people too. He did say screaming. now, Marcus Freeman. One of the things he said was, <laughs> "It's loud. It's loud out there." You it know, is. and 
If you have the headphones on, um, it, it, when you tell, if it was louder and more annoying at the headphones than it was when you had all those people uh, yelling for a, a stop, yeah, that just explains it. But um, yep, I'm sorry I did that, but wow. it's all right. It was fun. I, I feel better now. I don't even. I don't even know if that I should. That was cathartic. It I, was like you, know you let a, you let a lot of stuff out there. I recommend that that, that any staff that goes through a breakdown like that should replay it like that and and role play it and then just like this is how it should. Now you got practice everything. Now, what it, what it should be is more like NASA. It should be more like NASA. It'd be like, it'd be like coach, 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 quality control, quality control. And then quality control, I'm like, I believe we're at 10. We're at 10. We need one more. One more. Who do we want? Okay. All right. Stop him, hit set. him offside. Stop Quiet him, the stop set. the play, hit the offsides. Hit offsides. Right on the set. Where's time? They just subbed, coach. You do know. Quality control. You do know nobody else. Nobody is li- if has been left listening to this after you. This after is your great. This is, the, this is the best I got. After you're And right. if it's not good enough, then, uh, you know, uh, I'll see you later. This is podcast gold <laughs> on pot of gold. It, it is podcast gold. All right, let's go. We're not all going to talk at the same time. It's now prediction time. Duke. Notre Dame, Saturday night, Wallace-Wade Stadium. I did have a, a, a tidbit about Wallace-Wade Stadium, but I think I'll save it. The the goofy locker room setup that they do have there. No, it's a, a, that long walk. That's, it is, that can throw you off, that long walk. It is like Notre Dame. It's it's like playing a game at Notre Dame and then walking up the tunnel at Notre Dame Stadium, even though they don't walk up the tunnel at Wallace-Wade. It's like walking up the tunnel and going to the library. To go to the locker room. That's where the locker room, the visiting locker room is at Duke. So it's kind of a weird setup. It's a weird situation. Come on. Get, get, a, get a, a college college football-ready locker room at Wallace Wade Stadium, please. It's ridiculous. It's, it really it's is. It's dumb. It really, it's like, it's a high school, it's almost like a high school stadium. It's a, or, or a, or a, a full, division that's three. It's a full football field it away. Because they have to go, that's where Duke's practice field is. So they have to walk through Duke's practice field to get to the locker room. And the locker room is basically like a storage shed. So that's yeah. my rant. I'm not going as deep as Mike Berardino on his rant. That's my rant about Wallace Wade Stadium and the locker room setup, the media setup. Night game, 730. We're done with this prediction. What do you have? Uh, 38-24, Notre Dame, multiple 100-yard rushers. Notre Dame going to run the ball. On Saturday, so he's picking do or picking Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I'm saying there's a reason Notre Dame has won 29 straight Atlantic Coast Conference games. Regular so, season. Regular season. Regular, regular season. season. The two they wanted, they trade all 29 probably for the two they lost they, they to would. Clemson. Uh, the last time Notre Dame went to Wallace Wade Stadium, we referenced that trip earlier when we were locked out of Cameron Indoor Stadium, it was a Saturday night. There was a full moon that night, and Notre Dame just absolutely rolled. Behind Ian Book, they won thirty-eight to seven. Chris Fink had a heck of a game, and Chris Fink almost have, a punt return touchdown. Thirty-eight-seven. Uh, it's not going to be thirty-eight-seven, but I think Notre Dame does roll. I think they get back on their winning way. Maybe this is the weekend that we see Notre Dame reach its true full potential. I'm going Notre Dame forty-one, Duke twenty. We will not be back on Sunday with a morning edition. We will be traveling back from Raleigh. We'll talk more Duke. We'll talk another night game at Louisville. That and much, much more on next week's Pot of Gold podcast. Until then, we're out. We're on the way to Duke. This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff.